All right, so we got Club Deck going. So we're streaming in the clubhouse. We're streaming out to uh, IACast. Thanks, Michael, for allowing us to use your uh, setup. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, We also want to thank our supporters. Uh, First and foremost, those of you who choose to support us financially, we very much appreciate it. Uh, Because, listen, money and inflation uh, and the price of chicken wings, like if you're choosing to <laughs> give us money for the show that we produce, I truly appreciate it because I know how difficult times are for some people. Uh, actually, for all of us, to be honest, like unless you're a billionaire, you're probably a little tight in some areas. So thank you very much. Also, we appreciate you for listening. If you're just a listener, if you're just subscribed to the show, we appreciate that, too. So Mike hit me with a question about three minutes ago. Uh, which I have an answer to, but I want to put it out there. <laughs> so do we need a theme song for our show? <laughs> now, I don't think this was a serious question, uh, but Mike, was it a serious question? No, it was I, not I, a serious question. <laughs> it's okay. So uh, for everybody who's just like, oh, yeah, theme show is not happening. Uh, it probably wasn't going to happen anyway, even if it had been a serious question, because we discussed this before we ever launched the show. And I was like, nah, I want the show to have that kind of conversational feel that we have, which is we just start talking and, hey, this is the show. Uh, sometimes we don't realize we're doing the show until, you know, five minutes into it. Gets it edited. It's the show. <laughs> yeah, until it gets edited. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, that part was before That's everybody was listening. That's where Michael got in, okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so no theme song. Uh, but Mike did make a theme song for uh, Double Tap. And you said they played that in, right? Yeah, they, they played that in. So you'll want to go listen to Wednesday's Double Tap. I will endeavor to link it in the show notes for this technically working, but go listen to Wednesday's Double Tap. Cause. So that would be Wednesday, November 29th episode of Double Tap. They played in the song that Mike, I might tell people how you created this song because, you know, it, I think that's the more fascinating part about it is the process that you followed. So I went to a website called Suno, S-U-N-O dot A-I. And when I got to SUNY, I think that's how you say it, um, it gave me a edit field where I could put in my prompt. So I said, create an upbeat pop female song promoting the Double Tap, double tap Gift Guide. And uh, it gave me the song that was produced. And uh, what was really nice is it took it under two minutes. It wrote the lyrics for the song. It wrote the music for the song. It did the text-to-speech for the mu- for the vocals, and it produced the music and mixed it all together in under two minutes, and it gives you two versions of it. So it was a pretty straightforward, seamless process, and I thought it was kind of cool because uh, this AI revolution is is great for individuals who need it in relation to writing and stuff like that. And then Dali is great if you need to generate images, but this is letting you generate music. So let's say you need music or a theme song for a show or uh, something you're producing with AI. We can also take advantage of that and use some of these extra features that are, that are the results of what AI is turning into. Now the question I have here is, are there any copyright or ownership deals now i would imagine that you would absolutely get yourself into a mixed up situation if you took some music it created let's say you just went in and had to create some music and you took that music and you know wrote your lyrics and made a million dollars on this new single 
and it was all their generated music, maybe an issue. My expectation, and this is my expectation being a person that was around before the internet was really the internet as it is today. Uh, the internet as it existed with DARPA, et cetera, was there before I was born. But uh, being around for the rise of the internet, my expectation is if we took a song and did make a technically working theme song with this, because we're not selling this, there wouldn't be a license issue. But um, be aware of that if you do go use this, like don't take it and decide you're going to try to, you know, do your next album release and become the next. Uh, what's the what's the old town kid? Uh, See, I, I was thinking T-Pain because of. Nah, well, yeah, don't. <laughs> or if you want to be the next T-Pain either, like don't, 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 uh, don't do it that way. I but as I mentioned to Stephen and to you in the group thread, I think. Uh, yep, it was in the group thread. Who in what's that? Copyright. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, in WhatsApp. Demosthenes, find me on WhatsApp. It's only taken seven years, but. I mean, listen, man, I was in WhatsApp. According to the most recent backup I had that they, you know, offered to restore from, which I did not, by the way, but, you know, that they offered to restore from was uh, 2018. So that was you know, only five years ago. Nope, four years. Yeah, five years ago. So I was in I was in WhatsApp five years ago, mostly because there was a Reaper group that I I, I joined and then figured out it was way too busy for me. <laughs> um, it still is. <laughs> and this was before they had added the ability to like speed up audio clips and and mm-hmm. such. So yeah, it, it was a little and people send really long audio messages. Like I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, so I'm back in WhatsApp. You know, kind of, sort of. Interesting to me, now that I'm in WhatsApp, I don't hear from Steven as much. <laughs> like, <laughs> got in WhatsApp to make your life easier, man. And like, now you're not talking to me. Okay. It's it's because it. it's now he doesn't have something to complain about. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. That's that's why I heard from him more messages is he was complained about sending voice messages. Gotcha. By the way, side note, Apple really did screw up voice messages and messages. Why did they have to break that? It worked just fine in the past. Yeah, they, they've done a lot of weird stuff to messages. And the only thing I feel like they have improved and it does still need a little work is the transcript for audio mm. messages. Uh, oftentimes yeah. I can get by not having to listen to that person's three minute and two second long <laughs> message because it gives me a transcript that I get enough of the gist of what they're saying to be done with that. Um, although sometimes that, that, that does come out a little gibberishy. There's not any natural one. I wish they would. And uh, I haven't checked this out myself personally. So um, I could be just saying something that already exists. But I wish one, they would give me the actual text of said transcript and not just read it off because I'm on the the message Mm. thread. Yeah. Uh, Because oftentimes there's no there. there, Well, there's not any sort of punctuation in the transcript. Yep. So Stephen sends me a message. And I had to listen to it. This is before I got in WhatsApp. I had to listen to the whole message because the way it smashed everything together and like <laughs> just this huge wall of I was like, he what what happened? He did what? <laughs> Man, he has broken something. I listened to the message. I was like, oh, that's awesome. He went in and figured out how to do this and he's just stuck on how to do that part. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good deal. That was when he but added the search. Just reading the, the transcript. Just reading the like, transcript, mm-hmm. I thought he had done something he really shouldn't have done in a way that he shouldn't have done it. Uh, it was when he added the search field to the uh, gift guide. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's why I told you, like, initially I thought he just mm-hmm. added the regular WordPress search widget. Like, no! Although, hey, Steven, 
Um, if, if one of your listeners is listening and you're not listening and someone else tells you, I'm not sorry, but you now need a search on your website. Cause I went to look for something on the website and couldn't find it. And the only search I could find is the one to search the double tap <laughs> gift card. <laughs> oh man. That's a, that's a, that's funny. I hadn't even checked the look. Uh, but yeah. But no, that, that's why I was in there. I'm glad I actually listened to his message because I was going to reply entirely differently uh, based off what I thought the transcript was <laughs> saying. But it's because there was no break. There was no line breaks. There's no punctuation accounted for. Like, it's just a block of randomness read by voiceover. And that is this week's public service announcement. Don't rely on the transcripts. Transcripts are great. But sometimes, if you have questions, go back and listen. Ask go listen, yeah. <laughs> voice messages, uh, you know. Yeah. Voice mails, if, you're, if you have a system such as Zendesk or even VoIP MS that will VoIP provide MS. you a transcript. Yep. Uh, <laughs> don't rely on the transcript, especially... If it's a lot of text, if it's a short thing that says, oh, I was just calling, give me a call back. You can probably trust that. Uh, if it's like a paragraph of stuff or three, mm-hmm. go listen to it. Like, cause nine times out of 10, you're going to miss some nuance there. That is important. And I did miss a nuance to what Steven's message was at that point. Um, that led me down a whole different path and made me super happy. Cause I'm like, oh, he, he figured out how to do that part. Uh, which just means it's a good deal, right? Because he's never touched these plugins or any of these tools before, and he figured out a thing. I'm like, that's nice. I like that. Uh, I really do like the search on this. Like, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it's good, man. I, I built that same thing for our internal uh, license thing, too, mm-hmm. so you could just search a person's name or email yeah. address. So what have you been up to since you want to tell me before we went live? Yeah, man. So I've been, I mean, mostly I've been working, like just doing a lot of work. And there are things that we have talked about on Technically Working related to the show that I haven't gotten to because I've actually been doing work that moves the needle uh, and, and, you know, deals with income. And there's still, and, and because I have been so busy because either I'm making changes or just stuff I have been putting off I'm getting to now, I need to go ahead and get it done. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of playing catch up in a lot of places. So a couple of things I've been doing. Um, you will, well, you actually won't know this. You're actually finding it. No, I think I did tell you this. Uh, I was moving sites to a new server. Uh, yeah. So I've been moving sites around and getting that whole situation consolidated because I looked up one day and the way I got here is because uh, I looked up one day and realized I had like five servers hanging around. I was like, um, that's, that's a little excessive. <laughs> So, but the way that I got here is because um, now the tool I use for managing WordPress servers um, is SpinUp WP. Uh, great service. They build out a nice, you know, server. It's great for anybody who doesn't know how to use, you know, doesn't know how to build servers. Or if you're like me, I could build out a WordPress server whenever I needed to build a new server or upgrade or migrate to a larger instance than the one that I'm using. But it's very tedious and time consuming. So using their interface allows me to make that a whole lot easier. And it gives me a lot of extra tools that I don't have to try to build myself or hack together or et cetera. So but one thing that I was testing um, is I was testing a couple of things, actually. So uh, recently they added the ability and it's actually been several months ago, but I just started testing it a couple of months ago to use ARM based 
um, servers. And right now, to my knowledge, I haven't gone looking around the Internet either, but to my knowledge, Amazon is one of the few places that you can get a uh, Amazon EC2 instance. It's one of the few places you can get a ARM based uh, Ubuntu server. So I set up one of those and tested that out because I was like, I want to see how this runs on ARM. See, you know, see what that looks like. Now, I still don't care for my current understanding of how billing works in EC2. So we're not keeping anything production over there. This is just testing. Mm. Uh, And the other thing I was testing out was using their Aurora serverless database uh, platform as an external database and spin up WP. Uh, Not many people, well, Michael knows this, not many other people really know or care. Uh, But oftentimes on a production server, on a staging or development server, I don't necessarily care as much uh, because I've done enough of this to know that the external databases work. But on a production server, I will usually have the sites and their files, all the site files and stuff on the server, but I will have a separate external database that they're connecting to. Uh, just to alleviate some bottlenecks and allow the server to focus on processing PHP requests and web requests and the database to do its database things. Uh, so I want to test out their serverless databases. Again, I'm not comfortable enough with the pricing to move everything over to their Aurora serverless platform uh, because the pricing tiers kind of don't make sense to me. You know, what I'm paying for doesn't kind of make sense to me. And I feel like I will end up spending way more money than I'm currently spending uh, for a database server mm. uh, unnecessarily. Right. And, you know, as I said several shows ago, you know, the idea is to cut costs, not cut corners, but cut costs where we're applicable. Uh, I'm not interested in cutting the quality of service that I provide to people or the quality of service that I'm used to using. But there are some things I was paying for I didn't need to pay for. For example, I was paying for a organization account for Bedrock Innovations and GitHub. Didn't really need it. Turned it off. It also, I didn't turn it off until I had a problem too. I tried to invite Mike to a repo and it was like, oh, you have to pay for a new seat. I was like, okay, we're turning this off right now. Like that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And the reason I was paying for it is because I wanted stuff. I, I liked the, some of it was vanity. Let's be honest. A lot of it was kind of vanity, but I wanted stuff that I was building that was Bedrock related separate from my personal repo. And I do still have the team account. I'm just not paying for it anymore. It's a free level. But it gave me some extra functionality as far as uh, branch protection and some other things. Uh, When I was paying for it, I did not realize I could not invite an external person to just a repo uh, in GitHub, though, without having to add them as a new license seat on the organization account. Doesn't make sense to me why it works that way. Whatever. I turned it off. Move the data. Move the um repo to a personal account and still haven't invited Mike. So, you know, <laughs> or did I? Did not I that invite? I'm aware of. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't use it. It's not a tool that I'm in every day. So yeah, I, I may have sent it to you. Uh, if I did not, I'll get around to it. But uh, yeah, so been consolidating servers down for one thing. Uh, and that's been a little time consuming cause I've been having to manually migrate sites. Uh, unfortunately, because I wasn't paying attention when I paid for a license, I have been going around and up slowly, but surely updating licenses for gravity view, uh, or, or the gravity kit plugins, because I didn't pay attention when I upgraded my license and bought a new license instead of upgrading the existing license. And so, you know, there's that. 
uh, doing a lot of low level tooling. So like cleaning out my system in preparation for wiping my Mac, but kind of going through and making sure I, I know which tools I need to have installed and which tools I don't, because I'm not going to rebuild the new Mac from, um, well, not the new Mac, but the, the fresh uh, installation. I'm actually not going to use Brewfile to do this uh, because I want to slowly work my way up uh, to what I have now and see how minimal I can make this machine operate at. I've uh, been testing out some other stuff with Parallels and Windows 11. There's a new Windows 11. It's not a new Windows 11. There's a crap. What was it called? I was listening to Windows Weekly the other day and Paul the Rot was talking about a very slimmed down version of Windows of a Windows installer someone has put together. And since he recommended it, I was like, oh, I should take a look at this. Um, and I'm not finding it right this second. The all elusive show notes. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yep. We'll we'll get <laughs> in the show notes. Uh but it's a very slim down because like you install Windows now, you get edge and like it strips all mm-hmm. of that all that crap out. Uh oh. I'm not using Edge. Like I, I have switched over to Chrome and Windows uh and using Chrome on the Mac, which I'm probably gonna switch to Brave on the Mac when I rebuild. Um, because Google's about to do some stuff that I'm not going to be happy with. I'm not really an ad block user at the moment, but I don't really like where, where Google's headed with that. So Brave is where I'm going to probably go back to. Do you have problems with Brave? Um, actually, the last time I was running it, um, yeah. the only problem I had, and I, I, I actually duplicated the same issue inside of chrome too is when i would do what i'm about to do right now in clean feed which is save and then it downloads the file and it pops up like a little temporary recent downloads window well in brave what i did one day is i hit escape because i was like i don't need this up here make it go away Mm -hmm. hit escape and it crashed the whole browser okay well i also did the same thing in chrome one day uh but yeah, also been checking out a few other tools. So me and you have been working on, well, you've been doing more local WordPress development stuff. So I've been uh, in the background kind of building out uh, some more tools that I'm going to share with you eventually once I'm certain that they'll kind of smoothly operate the way that we want. I, I think they should operate uh, to make that migration process easier for you. If you're working on something locally, you want to move it up to production uh, or staging or something like that. Uh, consolidating servers now so now i am down to i'm down to three servers uh and spin up wp i do still have a couple i need to shut down but right now i'm down to three uh there's a production server there's a development server and there's an internal server that's running stuff that is php based in most cases there's a wordpress site there from for bedrock and then not bedrock's actual wordpress site but an internal tooling website for uh, Bedrock and a couple other tools are running over there as well uh, on that server and that's it. Also upgraded to the team account and spin up WP so I can give Michael access to his sites and servers there so he can you know manage his own thing because he's doing a lot of that himself anyway and I don't want to be the bottleneck uh, for you being able to do things. Like could you add a new site over here? Uh, I might get to that next week. I mean, I can. I might get to it next week, but I can do it. Uh, but yeah, just just consolidating a lot of stuff and just doing work. Like I've been working on a couple of websites, building, finishing, building out a few forms for uh, for some people that are that are close to launch uh, or close to getting their stuff to where they need it to be. So 
Uh, that, that, that I would say will be the other thing that's been taking up a lot of time is just building gravity forms, which is, is fun now. Like it's, it's more fun than it was, I would say earlier this year for me. Uh, but I've been building a lot of gravity forms or, uh, customizing a lot of, um, what do they call them? You know, little routes, like the notifications, like that yeah. notification system in gravity forms is so powerful. I think it's often overlooked, you know, if they pick this option, send an email to that person, uh, type of stuff. So that's been fun. So I had a fun experience with uh, gravity forms today. I just finished up doing a cool form that I'm kind of excited about. And it had some of those little logic, conditional logic applied. So for example, uh, in the form that I was given, it asked a question. And then the next edit field was, if yes, explain or something like that. So, of course, I went and said, don't show this question if yes isn't checked in this question, in this previous question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, when I finished the form, I realized I wanted to turn it into a two-page form. Uh, so, I added a second page break at the bottom. So, first of all, because um, I'm going to explain how i do things to make my life a little bit easier um i typically set up a user and you and i should go through and figure out how to do this because i have a separate user called ira set up as an administrator right now and that administrator um has a username and the password i go change every time that i have to call ira because of course i never know what the password is um because i shouldn't and that user goes in and then they're able to edit the form. So I just copy the link to the form that I'm editing and then I paste it into a the message field. I give them the IRA username and the password that I created for the IRA agent. Mm-hmm. You set that up or suggested that offhandedly. So, yeah, yeah well, you said I should do this and... Um, huh. Like that, that kind of makes sense. Like, cause then if you want, if you're like, I don't like that agent or just generally just go reset the password right afterwards. Um, more secure anyways. So I sent them the link to the form that I needed some fields drug around in. Um, so I copied the, uh, link to the forms editor and pasted that into the edit field and called Ira and they clicked the link. They use the username and password. Uh, Gravity Forms, I don't know how long they've done this, now tell the IRA agent, um, you can only view this form or this form right now. Uh, if you'd like, you can request edit access. They click that button. Um, it sent me a notification. I clicked allow on the link, and it took me back to the uh, forms, and they were able to edit the form for me. They then grabbed that page break and drug it up to where I needed it. And then there was another edit field that I wanted to make conditionally visible based on someone choosing yes or no in a question. And so he drug that edit field up and put that with the question. So they were all together. Huh? Um, he, a- after we spent about 10 minutes together and I was walking him through exactly where I wanted to drag him and put things at, uh, he told me, thank you. He said, I appreciate it. I have some experience with Squarespace and I've never done that before, but you explained to me really, uh, how did he put it? You, you made it easier for me to understand by the way you explained it to me. 
Uh, so that was pretty cool to be able to just tell them, hey, I need to drag this here and put it here. I wish we could do it on our own, but that was helpful. Yeah. Gravity forms. So I've also been doing a lot of Reaper work. And I tried to do a keystroke to make sure I clearly understood it before I explained it on the show. But this is just a representation of how technically we are working because I only partially understand what this keystroke does because I can't quite figure out something um, and it distracted me. Um, So in Reaper, what you can do is you can select a track in a project. If you press option shift U, that creates a new sub project with that track. And then you can make edit. You can, what I have seen is make edits to that sub project. And then what I did was rendered that sub projects edit and added a new item to a new track, which was the resulting rendered file. And then I took that file and I copied it and then I uh, used the command grave accent to go back to the main project and I pasted that on the track where I needed it, which was my edits. And then if I wanted to, I could go back in and make other edits. It's, it's interesting and I don't know how it works, um, but when you press option shift U, that adds an item to the sub project in Reaper on the main project on the track. Um, so I, what I think you can do, and I don't know how this works, but make edits in that project that reflect in the main project without having to render a file and then copy that file into the main project. I think you can make those edits. Does what I'm saying make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that that's interesting. And then I also am working on learning about snapshots, uh, cause they can be powerful especially when you're doing a final production of something. I, I sometimes want to get rid of Alphonic, but I will never get rid of Alphonic, especially since I keep adding new things to the tool. Uh, <laughs> now they have the AI where it'll take out your breath. So it does, it, it looks like it does a RX breath control, but using AI to clean that up in post-production. So I might use it and see how it sounds on our audio. So if we sound really weird, like we're, we can't breathe or something, uh, I'm I'm sorry. It's beta. Yeah, I I think with uh, Alphonic specifically, like my strategy for it, I don't use it as much as you do. So I tend to just buy credits and then use those up and renew those credits. Uh, but we'll drop a mm-hmm. link in the show notes. You can support the show this way. If you are an Alphonic user, just use Michael's link uh, to add credit to your account and Michael will get some credit or something like that is how that works. Uh, yeah. Or you can buy us credit. I don't know how their program works. Oh yeah. Or you can buy us credits if you want to do that as well. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll click the link in the show notes. We'll, we'll put some, some text around it. So you know what you're about to do before you start yourself to doing it. But even if you're not an, I forgot about that feature though. Even if you're not an Alphonic user, you can uh, basically gift credits to someone else, which is uh, a, another way to help the show. Cause that's part of the production. Uh, and I'm just saying this from the standpoint of you listening to anything that Michael produces, uh, that's helpful. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll also set up a link on, uh, your own page that people can use and we can start sharing it around. Cause I think people who listen to a lot of your content that you edit or produce for other people, that's helpful. Uh, not having to worry about those credits as much if you're, you're getting those built up. 
Uh, well, one thing for me with Alphonic is I, I think I, I realize the the automations at the end of this process and even some of the beginnings of the process with their, their folder watching feature uh, are super useful. I'm curious and I, I've still been kind of waiting. Um, and, and I say waiting, not like I'm, I'm just like, when is Mike going to do this? But I'm curious if you ever arrive at a point where you do all of your post-processing in Reaper because the plugins are there, the tools are there. And right now it's more of a time saving, I think is, is the first thing uh, of using Alphonic. And it's not as if Alphonic is a bad tool to use. It's excellent. Uh, but I'm curious if you if you will ever arrive at that point of like, no, I can, you know, slap some, some uh, EQ on this and, and, and do my own compression and spit things out. And I think the deeper you get into Reaper, the more likely that becomes. But I'm wondering if there's ever going to be that tipping point for you. I do that with some projects. Some projects I'll just render an MP3 out of Reaper. Um, I don't really know what makes the di- well. Actually, I do. I do know what makes one difference in it is how much Alphonic credit I, credit I have left. Sometimes can determine if I'm going to run it through there. Uh, but. Mm, most of the time it goes through Alphonic. Right now there are some audio that does just become MP3 files. Um, I set it to the same LUFs as what Alphonic uses. I don't fully understand the numbers there, but uh, that's typically what I do with that audio. And then I render the MP3 files at uh, 112 kbps, which is typically what I do through Alphonic. What I, at some point in the future, want to figure out how to do is use command line or something to render each track out as their own individual track and a combined mp3 track which the render queue can make that happen and that's that's pretty cool to make your computer go to work and do that for a little while but in the meantime also have each of those tracks processed through something like mac whisper so i can then get a transcript of the shows and then at some point you could run those through new chat gpt 4. turbo or whatever it is 4.0 uh because it has that larger capacity up to 300 pages our shows aren't that long and then uh, <laughs> do the show notes for that and then have those show notes uh, i heard that Marty. with keyboard maestro go all the way to pinecast and publish itself and then i'm done when i'm done in reaper Yep, that that is. Um, I think one thing in, in intervening in that right now is I don't think we have an API for podcasts. Uh, yeah, so that that's that's one downside to that situation. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just curious. So going back to Reaper for a second though. So you normalize at um, the same love from either I'm assuming either 18 or 16. Uh, or, or minus 16 16 loves yeah yep. which so walk me through that process because i feel like i have found another window in reaper to do that and it gives me options and i'm like i don't remember all of these options being here for what i want to normalize this to so if you select an item in reaper and hit command shift in Control shift in on Windows. That takes you to the normalized dialog box, which now has a lot more features than when we learned about it. Ah, uh, okay. Because so if you drop that down, you have LUFs, RMS, peak. Does is that what, true peak? Yep. Yep. I see true peak. LUFs. LUF M Max. LUF. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So it's just that they added stuff to that window. It's not that I found, okay, because that, that is the way I was going. About. I was like, I don't remember all of this. Like, where did all this come from? Why? Now, that can be useful because if you, let's say you find an, a piece of audio that you want all of your audio, audio to be similar to, and I'll give an example of this. I was doing a voiceover work for the Next Step with Next Gen podcast that just published the same day this episode publishes. And I had to re-record part of my intro um, that I did for them. But I had lower volume when I said a couple of things when I was retaking it. I'm like, no, I want it to sound closer to the, the volume where I'm saying this. So I made that its own item and then did Command-Shift-K, Control-Shift-K on Windows. And that analyzes that. And tells me what the peak level is, and those are like zero point uh, minus zero point twenty one dB. But then it told me the RMS level, which is minus twenty one point three two dB. And I don't fully understand what RMS is, but I do now know that what I want to do with my other audio that I punched in is do Command Shift N, go to RMSI, and put in minus twenty one point or just paste in that and then hit enter. And that makes my item that same volume as the first recorded audio. So uh, that, that can help save some time. Uh, that makes sense. It makes, I, I just was looking at this window the other day when I was rendering out audio, cause I was doing some test recordings of stuff. And I was like, where, where? like, and I've seen them before, but this is like, okay, this isn't set to where I had it left at. What is all of this though? Why is all of this here? What is going on? Like, I, I okay, I get the the peak that'll that'll normalize to the highest, you know, audio or the peak audio across. Like, I get some of it, but I wasn't. I was like, I I remember this being simpler. So I've been using Todoist. Um, you've been using Todoist too, haven't you lately? I have been using Todoist. Um. I was a little nervous when they updated and I looked at the notes and I was like, oh, no, they've changed the layout again. Oh, um, so if you heard somebody yelling no about a week ago, uh, just randomly in your head, it was probably me. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> look, man, oh, look. is this design change new? Uh, yeah, the one you're looking at. So you have the one like where yeah. you have you now have tabs across with the, bottom. the tabs at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. new. That yeah. that is new. Okay. That that okay. is fairly recent. Like maybe the past couple of weeks. I don't remember exactly when I got the update, but yeah, that that is new. Uh, and I was concerned they had gone further down because you know what was it earlier this year they added the Kanban style thing. Yep. Um, I hate that view. Uh, just because it's difficult, I understand what it's supposed to do, but it's always poorly implemented from an accessibility standpoint. Uh, and me and Mike have horror stories of Trello. Uh, if, if you probably dig that through, dig back through the archives of uh, the DM show and hear how we ended up feeling about that. But uh, I did not like this view. And the one thing about Todoist that I didn't care for is so I have a couple of shared products projects with people into Doist and they prefer that that layout with the with the the Kanban board. And for anybody not familiar with what a Kanban board layout is, essentially you get columns and you can add a task and you can move that task between columns. So you can have it set up and you know I think the way that Todoist actually handles this is like your sections become the columns, if I'm not mistaken. 
and let's say so we had a a production you know deal for a show so each episode we're going to follow the same steps where first step would be record and then we will move it once we recorded episode 37 uh, then we will move 37 to uh, editing and then once Mike completes editing he will move it to uh, post-production and so on but you have a list of things that are going down and then there's columns for each each individual and you move a task I get the principle of it we tried Trello because it did seem like a good idea uh, it's very apparently not any not many people like that in Trello I mean that's Trello's whole thing but not everybody likes that layout yeah uh, but it's always kind of terribly implemented from an accessibility standpoint uh, and to do it at least as of before this new layout, I don't know if it still does that because I honestly haven't went to go look at these projects. But one thing I wish they would fix if they have not fixed it, and I'll find out, is if, let's say Michael, for some reason, is being weird and was like, oh, well, I'm going to take this project and lay it out in the Kanban because I like this. You know, I'm going to do it this way because uh, my brain works this way. Okay, that's fine. You know, Mike's not really being weird, but he's doing something I don't like. Well, if he changes the view that way, that's also how it's going to show up for me. And uh, if I change it back, it changes back for him. So that's the one thing about shared projects to be aware of is the view that you choose affects everybody, or at least it did. It may have changed now. I have again, I haven't gone into any of the projects um, that have that Kanban layout, but uh, you get into this fight with people, at least I have, <laughs> where you're like, no, I can't, I can't even tell what things i'm supposed to be doing here i'm gonna change this back to the regular list view and then they come along a couple of days later and change it back to the Kanban view and it's like you know what listen <laughs> just send me an email when you need me to do something like I'm, I'm not even doing this um but yeah this new layout with the tabs across the bottom is new so what are your thoughts about it because I, I saw your message earlier today about you you've been liking it apparently yeah i so when i when I, I I don't remember what I was doing, uh, but I'm like, oh, I should go jump and get Todoist. And I, you were looking for something to do, probably, because <laughs> you were just on the clock and there was no tickets for AT guys. You like, yeah, figure out yeah, something that's what to do. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but things are getting done, which Anyways, is great. Yeah. So I opened Todoist, and it's like, Mac OS can't verify, blah, 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 open. Uh, so I'm like, okay, so I haven't even opened this since I reset the Mac. That says something right there. Uh, got signed in, and then I started noticing some little touches, like my up and down arrow keys. I, I have some feedback, and I, I am going to submit some of this feedback. I'll talk about that in a moment to them for their reference. Uh, for example, the sections when you're arrowing through a project, you don't know what sections this add button necessarily associates with. Um, anyways, I started adding tasks and then started completing some things and navigating realized how punctual it was. And I, I was able to just get around and get the information that I need. I don't know all the keystrokes, but the question mark will pop up a list of all the keystrokes. And they seem to cons consistently work with voiceover on the Mac. And then I finally today, that was what, Tuesday or Wednesday when I started assigning people tasks and mm -hmm. completing stuff, something like that. Yeah. Um, so today on Saturday, I finally installed the iOS app and I didn't even know they were redesigning that. And at first I'm like, where is everything? And then I started navigating and, and figuring out how they had it laid out. Uh, it does look like they may have broken the magic tap, so you can't magic tap to get quick ads. So that's some feedback there because I 
I, I naturally tried to do that in the app. So, uh, that'll be, that'll be some feedback, but yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. I'm happy with it and think we'll try to make it my task management tool. I hesitate because I can't seem to commit to a task management tool. So I wonder if you're having the same problem that I have been having, because I, I haven't talked about it, you know, during that brief time that I, I, you know, went back to OmniFocus. I was looking at OmniFocus 4, uh, which is still in beta. Um, but I've also looked at, now I haven't looked at things because I already know things doesn't do some things that I wanted to do. Um, but I wonder if you have the issue that I have, which is Todoist is most of the, I would say 70% where I need it to be. But that 30% that's missing for me is kind of, if not critical, very important. I wouldn't give it a critical label, but I would say very important. Like the one thing that is going to constantly be a fight for me with any system other than one that operates like OmniFocus is the concept of a defer date, which means I am sitting down to put information in, but this task or this project does not need to start until day X, which, you know, could be six weeks into the future. It could be six months into the future. Um, not that I want you to give me a notification is due in six months. No, I want you to, I don't even want to see it for the next six months until there's time for me to start working on it, which means when I'm looking at any other view, uh, unless I go into the show me everything view, um, don't, don't show me this project or don't show me this task. And to do is does not have that. Uh, there are some, there are some hacks or some workarounds. There are some things you can do to attempt to give you that, but it's not natively supported. Uh, and that bothers me. There's other little things like the inconsistencies with the Mac app. Like sometimes it's super great and sometimes not. Uh, the fact that, like you said, because I do make heavy use of sections in a lot of projects that when you're arrowing through on the Mac, you don't know which section you're in. Like I'm just basically getting a list of, of items, uh, but if I'm looking at a project I haven't looked at in a couple of weeks, I forget which sections are there. That's why the sections are there to help me. And it's like, wait, why is that there? Why am I looking at it? Oh, because I'm in this section. That sort of stuff, right, is what, you know, bothers. And there, there's other, you know, little minor annoyances here and there. Like it, it, it doesn't seem very, it doesn't seem as flexible as it seems like it should be to put in a task and add all of the relevant information. Like here's the task date. You know, here's the task name. Here's the date that it's due. Here's the, you know, a, a natural language way for me to easily not have to think about how I want to tell you to send me reminders. Like, I feel like I should be able to just type like remind me three days before and one day before. But that doesn't work, or at least it didn't when I was trying it. Like that sort of stuff is what kind of, you know, nickels me a little bit. But it's, it's like 70, 75 percent of the tool I needed to be. And, and it has the potential to be there. I'm leaving. So if you do, uh, now I'm going to have to go look up the keystroke because I got to explain why I'm a little distracted. Actually, I probably could have had away with it. Uh, I mean, you could have, it? yeah, but then you said something. Open user menu. Oh, you. Okay. So if you type OU in the 
interface, it pops up the user menu. So that's how you can tell how many tasks you've completed and just down arrow through here. And there's an option that says rate the new layout. So I rated the new layout and told them how happy I was with it and then was giving them some feedback. For example, when you add a new task with Q and you type in this is a test task and then press enter. Um, hold on. Test task and then press enter. It says task added to inbox button close. Um, and I said it, it might might be more helpful if they either say the name of the task that was added to the inbox or just say task added to inbox because that's a little over verbose. It's overly verbose without it necessarily being helpful either. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I also put that new thing that I'm starting to tell companies, please reach out to, and then my email address, if you want to jump on a call to talk more about these accessibility or more about this. Um, and then I'm just going to send that as feedback and I'm trying to do more of what I tell other people to do, which is reach out to the companies. So I'm trying to be, keep myself more accountable with that. I, I still go back to you and I actually need to reply to them and get something set up. But we were talking about the source nexus stuff. Um, and I did reach out to their support and following the, you know, the idea that you came up with of like, I'm having some accessibility issues. It's kind of hard to really explain them to you. Are you willing to, you know, hop on a Zoom call and I can do a screen share or something? Uh, please don't say Teams. I'm not doing Teams. You got to pay me for me to show up for a Teams call. That's a, <laughs> just a side note. Like, uh, I and think actually I actually pay. Yeah, I mean, you have to actually pay me to to show up in Teams. Um, yeah. But and you know, they replied back and were like, "Oh yeah, can, you know, can we set something up for you know?" When they gave me like a start date, you know, like let us know what your what your schedule was looking like from this date forward or something to try to set something up. I'm like, "All right, cool. That worked. That might actually be a quicker way than me sitting down trying to record a video and do all of that." I've recently heard somebody else talking about this too, uh, from from a you know accessibility perspective. But this could literally happen for anybody, right? Like I know a lot of other people. Matter of fact, a a a, I will say friend of the show. Uh, we're definitely friends of her show, uh, Allison Sheridan. Like this is the type of thing she would do too. Like it's not an accessibility issue for her. It's like I'm trying to use your app or use your service, and it's not doing the thing that I expected it to do, or I can't figure out. Here's a screencast or a screenshot of you know the area that I'm having an issue with. Right? Oftentimes, because we are somewhat of well at least for me i'm definitely somewhat of a perfectionist like i don't want to send you a crappy video it's not going to help anybody uh but i I would sit down and record these you know five to seven minute videos just been all it took to you know to screencast screen recordings to try to show people what was going on you do all of that and you get back to standard oh we'll investigate this or uh you know whatever you get whatever crappy non-progressive response back from them like no progress is going to happen on this anytime soon i may as well move on to a different tool uh so i think your idea that's one of the reasons i really like that idea when you came up with it is like just reach out and let them know you're having issues give them as much general information as you can but instead of wasting time trying to write everything out meticulously it would be easier if we could hop on a screen share right i can show you what the problems are I'll let you hear what the screen reader is saying and then we can go from there 
and you take the notes you need to take so you can get it to the right people so we can get this working. Yeah. Or you can ask people. the questions that would be helpful for you to have mm-hmm. answers to. Like, okay, you did this, but it, it seemed like you skipped that right there. It's like, nope, there's there's nothing there for me. Because oftentimes, because I've gotten these replies back from people. Uh, oh, there's a, you know, you got to press the, 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 the button that says blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's not a button there though. Like I'm literally telling you, there's nothing here for me to click. Like there's nothing. All right, it's there on the screen. Just no. click the button. It's right there. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> click the green. All right, really kills me when you write into somebody and tell them that you're blind and you're using the screen reader. Yada yada yada. And they're like, well, there's a blue button that you're supposed to press. This. I was <laughs> like, what? People just don't get the blindness. They don't. But that that's got to be one of the first, most frustrating customer service experiences I think for anybody is you reach out to someone and you tell them what your problem is and they completely ignore 90% of what you told them, which was all relevant information for them to better try to help you. Um, you know, I've experienced this just calling in to tell somebody I'm having a problem with my phone service or something or the internet. Okay. Well, the, so look, I'm having this problem with my internet. I did this and I rebooted the router and I rebooted the modem and I unplugged it and I did these things and I've done that thing and done this thing. Now, what do we do? Or oh, man, I'll never forget trying to get Tia's phone fixed and Apple care. And we're like, okay, we've did X, Y, Z. All right. And we get back to question. Did you restart the phone? Well, at some point during the fact of me wiping the entire phone. um, Yeah, I probably restarted it. <laughs> But they're going by a script that hopefully that'll be something that AI will be better at. Probably not, though, because I think of when we ask it a question, of course, you can. Blah, 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 blah. Don't be verbose in your answers. Keep it cut. Down. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So you've been doing stuff with that Sony AI. Uh, I don't really have anything I need to use music for, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I haven't really checked right it out. I just checked it out to to see what it was and to play with it. I haven't done any like production work aside from that fun song. Uh, I would say seventy five percent of the time I'm not happy with the results, but it's it's an interesting thing that's coming along. And I've been playing with custom GPTs a bit more too, working on building those out, which is fun. And apparently, I'm not the only one. I think I read ten thousand custom GPTs in the last month were created. Yeah, so they've they've uh, delayed the release or the opening or, or launch of the store where you can uh, you yeah. know, add your because apparently uh, <laughs> stuff has been going on. Now, <laughs> yeah. some speculation could be, you know, this whole deal with, oh, Sam's the CEO. Now he's not the CEO. Oh, wait, uh, he is. he's going to Microsoft. No, he's not going to Microsoft. Oh, wait, he's back. No, he's not all the way back yet. Now he's all, all the way back as CEO, and this person is no longer interim. See, it's like with yeah. Microsoft on the board as non-voting members, just observing members. They're like, yeah, we're just we're just here watching, seeing what I you're mean, doing. Look, man, you put that many what tens of billions of dollars into a company. Like, I think I should have a, a, a observation uh, at, at minimum. Like, okay, I get the business relationship there. You can't come in and take over their company, but. I give you $10 billion. I want to sit in on your board meetings too and know what the hell is going on. Like, one yeah. of your, I'm the biggest investor of your company. Yeah, I got to know what's going on. That's, that's the time money should give me access for real. But yeah, apparently. Now, I think it's just the fact that so many people, though, going back to the why they delayed the launch of the store, I don't think it has anything to do with the whole drama with, with Altman and the board and all of that. I think it's just because way more people started making custom GPTs than they were ready for. And they don't have, mm. they probably don't trust the systems with that many 
uh, things they need to scale up some. Like they got to go, you know, add some more servers or something to deal with the processing of all of that to make sure that they do whatever they need to do before going live and all of that. Because, man, there's a lot of people I've been. I think I have like three now. Um, I need to figure out how to delete them because there are a few of my beginning ones. Unless, have, do you know for sure I, how I to delete I actually do don't know for sure how to delete them. Okay. Uh, so, if you do, ask feedback it. it. I mean, just ask the GPT. <laughs> like, how do I delete a custom GPT? Uh, oh, I'm in one of my custom GPTs. How do I delete you? <laughs> no, ask it, actually, because let's see if it comes back and tries to be human. Like, hey. All right. Oh, All actually, right. that would hurt my feelings How if you were do I delete? All right, turning off the computer. <laughs> you pushed mark. All right, so it says Reaper Guide, and it says to delete a GPT-like Reaper Guide, you would typically need to remove or uninstall the specifically software software module that it is a part of. If it is integrated to a software like Reaper, you would need to access the settings or plug <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, so that's terrible. That is an absolutely terrible, non-helpful answer. But I think I know why you probably got that answer. Yeah. Because you told it specifically, I think, to only answer questions about Reaper. About Reaper. Uh, So it is trying to answer your question to the best of its ability in the context of how something would relate to Reaper, though. So, yeah, that look, I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. I think that's why that happened. I, I could see that. So I did just jump back over to the real custom, to the real chat GPT. Oh. That's going to be his Mastodon name. The real chat GPT at Mastodon.social. So I hate autocorrect. Because <laughs> I thought I wrote, how do I delete a custom GPT? And then it started giving me directions about GitHub. Um, and I realized that it actually wrote, how do I delete Git? How do I delete a custom Git? Mm. I didn't know you could even have a custom Git. Is that a thing? (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Stop answering this question. Tell me how do I get a custom Git first? It says to delete a custom Git repository, Ah. uh, you Ah. you need to follow a couple of steps. So that's what it's talking about. Ah, Okay. Okay. I thought maybe it was going to, like there was going to be a thing. I didn't even know existed. Wait, there's a customized Git. I can, I can have my own custom Git. So it does exactly what I want. Nice. So I told someone, no, it was on Mastodon, I think, today. I posted that I, my newest favorite phrase to tell ChatGPT is search the web, because that is pretty cool. It thinks it knows the answers, but if you tell it to search the web, I just told it search the web. How do you delete custom GPTs? And then you can see it's visiting community.openai.com. And so it's it's consuming that content and hopefully it'll come back and give me the actual directions. Because when I told it without telling it to search the web, it just gave me some random general directions for how to delete GPT as if it was software. Mm. Yeah, see, that's not helpful. So here's where I think because that that is the the missing piece, right? The, the ability to just type into GPT normally and say search the web, right? That that is powerful. The custom GPTs take that even a step further because you can tell it to browse the web uh, as a part of your your thing. Um, this is where I think Google missed the ball at with this as well, because what if 
and they could have rolled this out to us workspace customers first, which would have been amazing, you know, for us to actually get something first. But what if they would have started doing this two years ago where you were able to really get down to a low level and kind of customize the way Google search worked for you? Mm. Mm. That would have made Google a million times ahead of where it is right now. That might have, you know, I mean, had they made that decision, right? They didn't have to bring out the chat with it feature first. They could have brought out the, hey, customize your search. Like, here's how you can customize your search. You can type into this box. just like you used to doing, typing into a box, but you can ask it questions and get a conversational response back. But if you want more, just tell it like, hey, go search the web for this or go search Stack Overflow for how to do X with Python. And then get a answer back from Stack Overflow, right? With a link like that, that they don't do. Um, and I think that's an ability they had. I think they were maybe looking at the product wrong or maybe for Google, they couldn't figure out. Because I, I still believe they had the technology before ChatGPT was was ready to go, before OpenAI had, especially this large language, you know, response stuff. But um, either they overthought the process and were like, oh, this does too much or they being typical Google were like, well, we put a lot of time into this. How do we launch this product so it doesn't flop? I can report my my custom GPT or I can hide it from my sidebar. I think hiding from sidebar would is probably the way to do. So it's still there. You yeah. just have it. It's hit. still there. You can still get to it, but it's not right there. So, okay. I'm going to go customize these a little bit. I have a shell phone show, bot, a technically working podcast promoter, WordPress friend, Reaper guide, and ChatGPT. Quick side note, if you're creating a custom GPT, tell it you can skip the image creation step and it will take note of the fact that you said it can skip the image creation, but then you don't have to wait for it to create itself an image that's not going to do you any good. Makes sense. I didn't even really pay attention to that step when I first started. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I'm going to keep moving. Yeah. Uh, it takes time. <laughs> it does. Custom GPTs are nice, though. Uh, and just strategizing on building a, a prompt and having that conversation back and forth. Like, I modified my WordPress, but I didn't give it a nice name like WordPress friend, though. Uh, it offered itself WordPress friend. Uh, um, Santa, I'm Santa. Spreading cheer and festive gift ideas by the North Pole. Uh, but I, I modified mine a bit and gave it like a, like a, I'm not say a hard line, but I gave it like, you know, search this documentation, search here, search there for these type of answers. Unless I give you, I'm going to go add in, unless I give you a specific domain to search. Uh, so trying to restrict what it searches on the way, because it was taking me a long time to try to get files uploaded to it, to have it just pull that stuff. So I started mm-hmm. adding in domains that it was okay to search. Cause I don't want it. What I didn't want it doing by searching the internet is just searching whatever I could have typed into, to duck, duck, go basically. And possibly coming back with something official from documentation or from a known, well, you know, well-known WordPress source or, you know, somebody who, Got a thing to work on WordPress 5.3 and here we are at 6.4 and there's no way in the hell you should do what they just, you know, recommend that you do. But that's the <laughs> answer that came that up. on the internet. There's the answer that came up because of the specific problem they were trying to solve versus, 
you know, how do I solve the problem that I'm trying to solve? Uh, you know, not so specific. Oh, this is the best answer because it has the very specific things that you said. Yeah, but it's old. That doesn't work anymore. Or, you know, WordPress is a deprecated that API. So that's going to do it for us this week, I think. Um, we shall be back. No reporting, if anybody's curious. And the reason there's no report on, um, you know, how I recorded the show, because I'm recording it the normal way that I do. And I'm actually engineering the, is that what I would call this? Because I'm yep. hitting the save button. I'm engineering You're hitting this. the save button and marking <laughs> up the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm actually engineering this with the exact same setup as, as normal. Uh, I will be back to trying out something different next week and we'll see if it works. Didn't try anything different this week, but I'll try something out next week. Um, so stay tuned for that, but we want to thank you for listening. We appreciate it for sure. You can talk to us on the Mastodon. He is at payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N at unmute dot community. And I am. Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E, at unmute.community on Mastodon. Or send us an email, feedback at technicallyworking.show. 